welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the incomparable Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty. I am joined, as I have been for the last uh, 13, this is our 14th episode, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Scott. We've reached the end of Season 2. It is so momentous. It is. I, I'm very excited. And so we we need to talk about tea before we talk about uh, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. We've also reached the end of this season's uh, New Mexico Tea Company sponsorship. No! Thank you again to them for sponsoring nmtco.com slash TV, T-E-E-V-E-E. Get in now with your Trek discount for 15%, I think, off of tea. And uh, delicious tea. Just at, at breakfast today, my daughter was saying, because we're in a hotel room uh, in uh, Colorado, and she was just saying how our tea at home is so much better than the lousy mm-hmm. tea that you make at the at the breakfast bar at the Embassy Suites Hotel. And uh, I, I thought, well, yes, because we have the New Mexico Tea Company tea, and it's very good. Not the whatever junk they have at a <laughs> at a hotel. So Take that, uh, Embassy that's, Suites. There's my there's my uh, endorsement. Not way better than the hotel tea. mtco.com tv i don't think they're going to be using that on their marketing probably not probably (laughs) uh but yes so this is the season two finale jason we're going to talk about such sweet sorrow and i want to say uh, i know nobody cares about how i watch this but i'm going to tell you anyway uh my wife is off doing a book tour because she writes uh, cookbooks and uh she is a uh, i don't know how you like to watch tv jason but my wife likes to watch tv uh with all the lights on uh i prefer to have some lights off i agree uh so she was not here uh, so last night i watched this episode by myself and i turned off all the lights cinematic experience exactly and i believe if you are listening to this before you've watched the show you should uh, follow my uh viewing Mm. instructions and turn off all your lights or you should turn them all as bright as possible because if you listen to podcasts that recap the plot of an episode before you watch it, why not just go all the way and ruin the whole thing? <laughs> That's an excellent point. So ruin yeah, just do that. all of it. Just make just it the worst possible experience. Shine yeah. light directly into your eyes before you yeah. watch it. Maybe stare at the sun for a couple minutes. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Great idea. I love it. I love it. This is getting better all the time. This is Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, mm-hmm. and I read a piece this week where they were explaining how uh, why this is a two-parter, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was a nice uh, cliffhanger, but I, I did ask myself, I guess the point of CBS All Access and, and even Netflix is to stretch out content as long as possible so you keep mm-hmm. paying, and so a one extra week is better than a you know, two hour two finale hour. or a yeah. 90 minute finale. But, um, they literally got to the last episode and there was too much for them to pack in. And fortunately, cause la- I feel like last season's finale was super rushed and, and not that good. Um, they basically went up the chain to the money people and said, can we make this a 14 episode season instead of a 13 episode season? And they said, sure. And that's why it's such sweet sorrow. Part two is that this was always planned to be the finale and they ended up splitting it in the, in two. I think that was a good move, even though it did make last episode a little bit weird where it was sort of the nothing happens, but everybody has meaningful conversations, which is -hmm. a thing that happens, but like it was strange. Um, narratively that it sort of everything stopped for a while for people to have uh, heartfelt conversations before going into battle um and this one was there's lots of things exploding and occasionally a heartfelt Heartfelt conversation conversation. and i under it makes more sense to me knowing that it was probably a single concept that ended up getting kind of cut in half and then you know expanded a little bit 
Right. And as I was watching this episode, I mean, I liked last week's episode. I know that there's been some grumbling about how people didn't like it because, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense with, you know, touching moments with a countdown clock that everyone is ignoring. Um, <laughs> but as I, as I watched this episode, I thought, man, if only they had glommed these two together and just given us like an hour and a half, two hour one episode like thing. Movie, right? Yes. I think it would play better that way. Um, but like I said, I, I think I think I in know the why, end yeah. they wanted to force you to spend uh, another week with your subscription. Basically, I understand it, this show. I mean, I don't know much about uh, how t- how much TV shows cost, but it looks expensive to me. So I understand why yeah. they want to get some more money yeah. out of. I us. just in a streaming world, I don't understand why they why they didn't like the choice was why don't you expand it? We'll give you money to expand it to another episode versus. Um, why don't you just make it longer? Like, cause they, they literally, they could have just said, well, just make it a 90 minute episode. You, you, it doesn't matter. Although mm-hmm. I guess it does air on TV in Canada, but like, it's fine. Oh, it like it's Canada. They'll, uh, they'll run it long. It's that's fine. Right. T- time um, works differently in Canada anyway. That's true. That's true. It's uh it's a strange place. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's, it's uh it is a little weird, but yes, that you put together now viewable together in your, for your binging pleasure. Yes. I think it works a lot better. And, right. and this was uh, the special effects in this, are just kind of spectacular. Like this is, this is, it's amazing what a TV show can do. Mm-hmm. I had that same thought as I was watching, you know, hundreds of drones and pod fighters, I guess. I don't know what they are. And, and shuttlecraft flying around. And uh, of course, Klingon ships show up. It's all very exciting. Uh, and I thought this looks really good. And uh, this looks, this, this is the best, including I think the movies that Star Trek has ever looked. Um, yeah, even, I think even the J.J. Abrams movies, Lens I Glare. Think I don't know. The um, the weird thing about it is that you know traditionally one of the things about Star Trek has been that Star Trek is a show about like big ships in combat, mm-hmm. and so it's like naval or submarine kind of combat. Mm-hmm. And and this was set up in dialogue last week where Number One returns and was like, I got the I actually took the liberty of putting all these experimental pods with weapons on them in the ship so that we have something to equip but what it what it does is obviously the producers thought it would be more exciting and more visually interesting and i think they're right to have a fighter battle and star trek doesn't do fighter battles i mean it happens occasionally star trek beyond's climax is basically a fighter battle right Mm -hmm. but um but generally it's these naval battles instead of the like dogfights aerial dogfights and they really wanted that and so uh control has his like little (laughs) things that come off of a ship and they have their little pods and the the baul pods piloted by the the kelpians (laughs) are out there and it's uh and it becomes this chaotic uh battle that is very interesting to watch but i thought it was i thought it was funny that that was a choice that they because they Mm -hmm. could have done it like how do you get the uh the two ships versus the 30 ships and have them protect each other and protect burnham and all of that and uh they said no we want it to be a a, a giant aerial battle instead Mm -hmm. i I had that same thought as i was watching this because you know star trek is all about capital ships just banging the hell out of each other uh and this is very much a star wars uh kind of battle scene where a ship shows up and then it disgorges uh, a bunch of little ships and they fly around yeah babylon 5 did this too where they have the capital ships but in and and star wars has its capital ships too but yeah you you then you dispatch the fighters and one Mm -hmm. thing that that Star Trek has never really had is a fighter squadron on board the Enterprise, right? right? That's not a thing that Starfleet has done. But they, they number one, <laughs> number one doesn't approve of that. She's she like, no, not. no, no. Finally, I get squadrons <laughs> in my hangar bay. It's excellent. 
I uh, must say, number one, uh, Rebecca Romaine does not have a lot to do throughout the course of this season, but every time she does something, I enjoy it. I don't know what you're talking about, Scott. She ordered a hamburger. <laughs> but in this episode, she's great, and she has a lot to do. And something that, So I watched this um, a second time today. I watched it on my iPad when we were going to the airport, but I watched it a second time today in the hotel with Lauren. And um, she said afterward... Um, the thing that you don't even notice when you're watching it and then you realize what's going on is that there's so many things that women are doing that like mm-hmm. we, we so often have like oh it's the avengers it's six six guys and two women and we're like oh well that's that's fair <laughs> it's like no it's <laughs> it's six and two it's not and here there are so many women characters that you end up in these situations where you've got uh number one and cornwell dismantling a photon torpedo right mm-hmm. and they're having a conversation that i'm pretty sure so and correct me if i'm wrong scott the bechdel test is that two women are having a conversation together that is not about a man or a for- photon torpedo is that how that rule goes <laughs> I, I don't know and then and then you know Tilly is working on uh, on stuff with uh, first with the the blonde lady who used to play Arium and mm-hmm. she's also working on stuff with Poe and she's working on and, and like all that's going on and you've got um, you've got uh, Giorgio and Nan who are in a firefight with Leland later and like this <laughs> there are a lot of women doing stuff and it is it is striking and number one is is a, is a part of that and it had had much more to do in this set of episodes and it was great to see yes i i noticed that myself uh and i noticed it in that it wasn't so sometimes you get the feeling well i'll just speak for myself sometimes i get the feeling that uh people are trying really hard and they should to have uh, a diverse cast and all this and it comes off as a little forced sometimes or, or sometimes that they're calling attention to it there's there's right. like a line that will point out like mm-hmm. hey it's just the ladies doing this right and exactly. uh, this this show doesn't do that it's just other than, other than the moment which made me laugh out loud both <laughs> times where where leland control <laughs> says basically quiet women <laughs> which could have been like or women stop talking women stop said, talking yes he could have said humans stop talking or whatever but he says women stop talking i like to believe that that's because leland a bit of a sexist himself also to be fair they called him an ai sausage so they did you know, and that no offensive. one wants to be called an ai sausage yeah uh well that, so there's a lot that's going on in this episode i do oh boy. so i want to say that i liked it i do think the ending is a little weird um but we can yeah, get to we, that. We're going to have to talk about what exactly the ending means because it is fascinating and where we go from here is a, is a, a real question. Yeah, I don't... But, I don't we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, first things first. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here. We've got uh, pods and shuttles flying all over the place. It doesn't really matter. But I, I think that the... So, Jason, you and I have talked about this a lot. That Discovery likes to set up a clock and have it count down, and then they have to do stuff while other stuff yeah. is happening. Uh, there isn't quite a clock. There's no countdown in this, except for the photon torpedo. Um, but I did like the fact that they have to build this time machine as they're being under attack, and everyone is kind of swarming together and working as a team to put together this thing that they don't really know how it works. Um, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I, d- I think... I think it was, I had that same thought, which is that this is a good way of doing the ticking clock, which is slightly different. So the first part of this episode, they are building the suit and charging the time crystal. And mm-hmm. I, when they de- when they described building the suit last time, I'm like, you're going to build the whole time suit in like a couple of hours? That seems ridiculous. But when you see what they're doing, you know, it's very clear that actually they set this up at the at the beginning of the season when they were out of the side of the ship 
uh, in their little suits is that, you know, the time suit is based on a Federation technology. It's based on their environment suits that they have, and they're kind of modifying it to be different or maybe using different materials, but it felt more like, oh, yeah, they know how to do this. It's a weird recipe, but it's ingredients that they understand. So that was mm-hmm. good, and they're, and they're building that, and Reno is charging the time crystal, which is great because we get a direct Scotty joke, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, it'll be ready in two minutes. Can it be faster? I can't violate the laws of physics, is all she says. No, it won't be faster <laughs> no, than that. It'll, it'll be two minutes. <laughs> Solid. And then in the second half of the episode, where, where um, the goal is not... The ticking clock is is not um, – it's basically waiting for Burnham to go through the wormhole. But the way it's mm-hmm. done is more like we're not here to win the battle. We're here to protect Burnham and get her to that point where she can jump into the wormhole. And that felt – I don't know. I mean I know it's all architected. It's all this structure to bring the drama to that point at which point um, – you know, um, Pike stops at one point and says uh, to Saru, I think, like every moment that every, every minute that goes by, more people are going to die. So be quick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I was thinking about that as Spock and Burnham had their long conversation <laughs> as everything is exploding around them. It's like, okay, well, there's need- like 15 people died for you to have closure. But OK, it is important. Um, it was nice. <laughs> but that was that it felt more natural in in a way, in a strange way to me that instead of it being arbitrary ticking countdown it was waiting for this thing to fix to finish and then getting her out of the ship and then getting her to where she could jump and then solving the problem of why she can't jump and then she goes through and 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 in the meantime everybody's just playing for time i guess and i like that as opposed to we need to kill them or we need to solve a problem before the clock ticks out right like it was it felt different i liked it yeah, they're, they're, they are racing against time, but it isn't like everything's going to die at this point. It's like we just need to get to this event and make and it And they're happen. waiting, right? They, mm-hmm. they, just ha- they don't know when the clock is going to count down. Which it's not going to be like it's going to take two minutes and 37 seconds, right? It's, no, we don't know. When she is ready, mm-hmm. we have and to we just hold out until then. And they don't even know if it's going to work. They just assume it will work. They don't. Uh, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think, a good point at which, you know, Burnham, they get there. Uh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. We'll go back to there's some important stuff that happens. But Burnham gets to the, I guess, Spock and Burnham land on like a Section 31 piece of a ship that's floating around. Uh, yeah. And she's like, okay, great. We could do it. Uh, and turns out uh, there are, what, insufficient temporal vortices calculated to open... Uh, vertexes a, or vertexes, something like yes. that. The, 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 the math doesn't work. And that yep. is a... Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, I can't go forward. And I'm sitting there thinking, work it out, work it out. And then Spock has that moment where he's like, oh, right? Oh, like, right, oh. yes. Yeah, now, I, now is the, that's a good moment. It is a good moment. And that, and we'll get to that too. But I, I, I was, so time travel is always a little trippy. Uh, and yeah. I, I enjoy that what she has to do there. But it, I didn't guess that that was going to happen um because i'm i'm not very smart jason uh but before we get there uh we should talk about stamets and uh sure Hugh, because that you know they're they're rushing to get the suit together uh they're running down a hallway uh stamets is uh has a part of it and he gets they the ship gets rocked by an explosion he falls down you think okay everything's fine he puts a thing in the suit and he's like we're ready to go uh, and then you find out eh, he's been impaled on some kind of big metal thing yeah not He's got great. a sucking check, chest wound. It's not mm-hmm. good. And they rush him to sickbay. And now this is when we, you know, last episode, they had this great scene with uh, Hugh and Stamets. And Hugh basically said, you know, I can't do this. I'm, I'm going to transfer to the Enterprise. Uh, I wish 
good luck. Uh, see you later. Uh, and Paul was very sad, but he understood. Uh, and so we go to sick bay and uh, our, uh, what, uh, Dr. Polar? Is that the name? Doctor? Who's that doctor? I don't know. Grumpy doctor. Uh, I still like try, that grumpy try, doctor. Try your best, Saru says. And she's like, no, I'm going to do a half-ass job here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Come so on, I enjoy man. her. She's good. But anyway, she's there and uh, everybody's, uh, I thought it was a very good scene because we don't really see a lot of uh, sick bay filled with uh, wounded folks uh, you know, generally when we visit sickbay, it's like, oh, you have to get a scan because some weird alien goo is on you or something. Right. Uh, so I just thought it was interesting. Anyway, and so they, they set him up on a medbay, and who appears uh, but Hugh, who tells Paul, you know, I couldn't. I decided uh, I couldn't go to the Enterprise because I realized that you are my home, and wherever you are is where I want to be. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's so nice. Um, and uh, I assume... Paul is not going to die, but we don't know what happens. Anyway, uh, I just thought it was a touchy scene. I teared up yes. because it was so I agree. nice. I agree. That, that's one of the things when, when people say, well, not a lot happened in an episode. I'm like, well, you know, character moments count too. It's not all about the, the – ideally, you've got a mixture of the plot and the character moments, and they work mm-hmm. together. But character moments matter a lot. Uh, especially in ongoing TV where you've got these relationships that are that are changing and growing and things that you've set up in the past and the weight of all the past actions uh, reflect in the present. Like, I find that scene much more affecting because I know that, um, that uh, Stamets had to suffer with uh, Hugh dying mm-hmm. and now Stamets is severely wounded and Hugh is taking care of him. And, like, that situation has way more resonance because of where those characters have been which is one of the things that is great about tv is that you you get to spend all this time with these characters and you know their backstory and you've seen it and you've seen how it's changed so that was a good a good moment that also explains why hugh is on uh on discovery and not because it turns out as was set up last week it really matters whether you're on discovery or not at the end of this episode get on the boat Got to get the right characters in the right places because it's very important uh, it's for super <laughs> important for uh, the future of all TV shows everywhere in Star Trek. Apparently, yes, uh, it seems that way. And so then let's go back to so Burnham and Spock are hanging out on the the the. There's the exciting scene where they they uh, try to uh, or they don't try. They successfully shuttle her to or no, I guess she Spock just guides her to the the shuttle uh, the. Yeah, it's really great, though, because as soon as she they drop the shields, they dive out. At this moment, Leland beams on, which I thought mm-hmm. was they got their they got their shield stuff right, and they have that scene where where um uh, uh, what uh, Pike and Cornwell are like mm-hmm. yeah he he transported on and they're like yeah our shields are up their shields are up we're not going to drop we, them we so can't. they're on their own it was mm-hmm. that was good but then when Burnham kind of flies out there with Spock taking the lead you know they basically get all those little drones all those or little pods on them and they're going in like formation and some of them are getting picked off but they're like sacrificing themselves to protect Burnham mm-hmm. and uh, it, it looked great it was very cool yes. that that was, was not something I've seen before in Star Trek yeah uh, and and there was a moment where Burnham gets hit by something, and uh, you think, oh no, everyone's going to die, but she's fine. That's the so, end. <laughs> the end, yes. Uh, fade to black. She died. <laughs> she doesn't die. Uh, they make it to this, this secluded spot that uh, apparently nobody could see. Uh, Spock and Burnham have uh, some... Uh, it's out on the edges with the debris, right? They're not paying attention. They don't know. Because like, Control doesn't know what they're planning on doing. That's true. Uh, with this time suit. They're, like, that's not... Control thinks that... Control wants that, the data. Just wants the data. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so they're out there, and this is when Michael figures out, oh, no, I can't jump to the future. I don't know why. Uh, and Spock uh, is like, well, we'll figure it out. And then he gets hit. Uh, well, his shuttlecraft, not Spock himself, gets hit with uh, like a, I don't know what, some energy pulse or something. Um, and uh, his his uh, engines are disabled. Uh, and, they you know, they have a lovely conversation. They figure out this is the moment where they figure out, well, Spock really figures out that this is Burnham. They assumed that future Burnham sent the signals back in time, which was true given their frame of reference. But now they are in present, and this present Burnham is that future Burnham yeah. who goes to back in time to send those signals. That's a, that's a great moment where it's like, you have all the information about why those five signals are sent. This is where you need to send them from. And then their, their logic, and again, it's time travel logic. I'm not sure it actually follows. But the idea is hmm. that uh, once you set these five, you should be able to close. The, they mentioned the time loop, which I think is something that it, it happens in passing. But I think that they have thought this through, the writers, in their own time travel logic. And the idea here is that um, that her mom has been trying and trying and trying to defeat control and failing. Because every time she changes something, something else um, you know, goes wrong. And what Spock is saying here is that this closes the loop. Like you, you, you solve this by the, the reason that the signals happen is that this is the last loop is the mm-hmm. way I read that, that, yes. that it's different. And she doesn't know about the signals because this is the first time where, um, or this is the last time of the loop because you, right. you send the signals that changes the future to the point where we are, where we are now, and then we can go forward and win mm-hmm. this. And that's, exactly. that's a, if you think about it, I, I think it is consistent. I, again, it's time travel logic. It makes no sense, but I think it's consistent <laughs> that, that this is the idea that they're, uh, that, that, the timeline keeps getting rewritten by uh, Michael's mom, and now this is the this is the final moment where her time suit is broken, mm-hmm. but uh, they have changed their path and can go forward, which is great. And that's why we and before this, I guess the, the big reveal is oh the Klingons have shown up and uh, yeah I mean Ash Tyler sister. where else was he going right where else yeah. was he going but but the fact that the the Ba'ul fighters are being piloted by uh, Serana and other uh, Kelpians other Kelpians is uh, funny and uh, first off I have two comments here one is <laughs> I think maybe the best line in the entire episode and there are a lot of good lines including Jet Reno saying get off my ass sir <laughs> sir <laughs> sir. Um, is when Serana appears on the view screen and and which is it's crazy it's like did weren't you just a a, a primitive uh like priest a couple of months ago and um and and what Saru says is is um you have learned to pilot a fighter <laughs> like it's this moment of like this is ab- what happened this is absurd which i think is hanging a lantern on it but i think it's great and then she's mm-hmm. got like her her hoodie still her priest hoodie and she's like we're gonna kill these guys and i turned to lauren while i was watching this and i'm saying they have really had a party on Kaminar the last couple of months you know whatever however long it's been like clearly a lot of work the, the d uh the d threat gangliad uh kelpians are um are into it <laughs> <laughs> yes the what is it the baul is that the name the, the baul right yeah they 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 were right to be afraid of the kelpians because i feel yeah. like they probably have all been murdered now yeah it uh, could be um the Klingons so. do show up yeah, and, and then later we get the d7s too oh, but i'm that, so excited that, so scott i've solved one of the great mysteries of star trek discovery which is why did people think that the klingons were so boring last season and the answer is klingons saying things about taxation and trade routes <laughs> and uh and prophecies and religion that's so on boring 
Mm. Klingon saying, it is a good day to die for oh. the blood of your chancellor. Yes. Good Klingon dialogue. Also like, this saying, is what I want to hear them say. We will wade knee deep in the ruin of our enemies. So yes, good. Right? That's what I want to hear in Klingon. I want that. That is how you do Klingons. <laughs> yeah, they know it. They know this. This whole season, and we'll come back to this because I think this is this has turned out to be an even bigger theme than we thought. This whole season really is, as we've said on previous episodes, kind of mm-hmm. cleaning up the parts of the premise and the things that happened in the first season because the first season, you know, was somebody else's premise uh, mm-hmm. who left the show and they had to kind of work through it. And this season has been cleanup. And this is just another example of that where they're like, we got the cool Klingon ships. They all are saying it's a good day to die. It's like, yeah, we, we know what you want out of your Klingons. And we did, exactly. we gave it to you right here. These are the Klingons I want. Even the, 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 the Klingon dude on the, the cleave ship uh, who is on like the weapons console or something. That is what a Klingon looks like. It's an updated yeah. Klingon, but he has like a big mess of hair and he's all in armor and stuff. Yep. That's, that's the kind of Klingon I want. He's shooting people. <laughs> yep. That's, that's that's the that's the that's our Klingon, right? That's that. Those are the ones we know. Those we know and love them. Uh, um, yeah, so and now now we get an opportunity to uh, do a little clip uh, walkthrough of the previous episodes where Burnham goes and jumps to her signals. Yeah, I was going to say. So there is for people who um, last week I think I mentioned how somebody was. Um, Somebody on Twitter uh, sent me a message uh, talking about the creeping Doctor Whoification of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I will just say that there is a season of Doctor Who where in the final episode, the Doctor travels backward in time through the previous episodes of the season <laughs> in order to, including things you saw and were like, you know, maybe didn't notice or were mm-hmm. strange, where it turns out that it's actually caused by him going back in the last episode to the beginning of the season. And I, I thought to myself as this was going on, oh yeah, this is again, creeping Doctor <laughs> Whoification, Doctor but, <laughs> but it is kind of fun. And, and I would imagine that if this was a, a single episode, um, instead, they would not have quite taken as much time as they did right. to recap the mm-hmm. what happened. But they've got the time, so they they Spock explains it, and then we see Burnham leaving the signals. Right. And I thought I I mean I liked I enjoyed seeing it, but I did think who is this for? Like if you're you're not catching up pe- people, nobody is watching the second part of the finale. Uh, so they without seeing any of the rest of the season, yeah. so they don't need to know to re- this. But it's just I nice to see. It wants to remind you, and they want to do that payoff where you see the red angel and you know right, that you it's know, Michael it's Burnham, Burnham, and we've seen and it from the that. other side. Yeah, it could have it could have gone on. Um, I think it went on a little too long, but I understand that it, they, they, they feel that it's payoff too. It's just like I got it, and, yeah. and it's fine. It's kind of fun to walk through. There is something to be said for having your season finale walk through how you got to this point, and they do it here. I don't think it's they true. needed a previously, quite honestly, given that this is essentially previously on this season of Star Trek. <laughs> Yes, everything we've done has led up to this moment, and let us walk you through it, just so yeah. you know. Uh, which makes sense, I understand, and I'm sure it was satisfying for the writers to be like, look, see, we we were thinking of this stuff. Why why did you doubt us, you fools? Uh, yeah. So while, while all this... Oh, before uh, Burnham does her jump, we should say that she does see... So last episode, uh, or whenever she touched... Yeah, last episode, she touched the time crystal. She saw everybody die on the bridge of the Discovery with Leland shooting everybody, and she saw uh, an unexploded photon torpedo lodge itself into the Enterprise, uh, and she saw them basically lose the battle to control. Uh, and so while she is standing on this piece of debris with Spock, uh, she sees these those exact things that she saw in her, her time vision are happening and she thinks oh no uh we have lost um and i can't get to the future everything is is horrible 
which is my segue to talk about the uh, photon torpedo stuck in the Enterprise uh, yeah. and how they get that yeah. out. So, so um, I, I like so the Enterprise fires their phasers a lot, and it's the what we expect to see. It's the mm-hmm. like light beams coming out and all that with the sound effect, which is great. Um, it does get smashed by the torpedo, which is um, not as great. But um, <laughs> I, I like again, and, and I have my head cannon for it. But I think it's consistent. It's the idea is somehow it got it managed to get through the sensor or the the uh, shields, which is great, but. <clears throat> it got damaged and so yep. it you know it didn't go off but it's got a secondary detonator and it and the idea there is that this is like a little antimatter explosion it's going to do dramatic damage to the enterprise if it goes off and so you know number one and cornwell are down there trying to uh trying to, trying to figure fix it out it. and they uh, oh becomes, and and ooh, yes we've skipped over the most important thing in this entire episode scott oh, which no. is that the Enterprise has a bunch of adorable <laughs> little repair robots. I can't believe I did want to mention that. What are they? DOT sevens, apparently. I don't know what those stand for. I don't know, uh, but they are super cute, and they go out, uh, and they don't really do anything. Uh, I guess they. Well, we I see think them they, fix I think one hole. But... Things, yeah, if you if you've got like holes and stuff in the Enterprise, how do they get fixed during battle or right after the battle? And the answer is there are little robots that go out and fix the hull. And <laughs> like, great, makes sense. Story checks out. I love it. I love uh, those guys. I hope yeah. they're not sentient because they're adorable. And, uh, we might have <laughs> they, to free them on a that's future right. they, episode. They may be possibly enslaved by Starfleet. Yeah, to, uh, could be. But keep they're, up but the maintenance. So they are very cute. Uh, but they don't help with the photon torpedo. No. We need uh, number one and Cornwall to uh, look at it and say uh, we can't do anything about this. Uh, <laughs> they yeah. try a lot of stuff, which is you yeah. Know, a I like Star that they work the problem, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, can we reset the navigation system? Can we deactivate the antimatter? Could we beam the antimatter away?" To which that one, it was like, "No, it's too risky." I'm like, "Well, it is going to blow up your ship if you <laughs> don't pretty, do it." So, and I will say, Jason, I I often have questions about uh, starship design. I'm not a starship mm. designer, uh, but uh, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, Blast doors are stuck, and and there's a manual release only on one side. Only on the on the inside. Only on Ray on one side. You could put the the manual release on both sides. <laughs> both sides. Only and on the inside where you have to die if you yeah. use it. So I mean I understand the whole. It doesn't really. It's very tense, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's, uh, it's you know it's engineered to have the sacrifice. I would say you know I, again I can headcanon it and say that the, the, what they were trying to do the stuff on the outside and the outside was wrecked. And so they couldn't oh, do it on yeah, the outside, yeah, but the right. in, because they they are in the elevator for a little while doing it. Um, also, I think it's worth pointing out that if uh, if you've got a blast door that can withstand an antimatter explosion that takes off half the ship, maybe you should use that to build your ship. I get it; it's too <laughs> it's like the black box in an airplane. It's too heavy; yeah, you couldn't build yeah. the whole ship with it. I will say that I know why dramatically when when Cornwell makes her sacrifice and mm-hmm. drops the blast door that there's a window, there's a window so that yes. they can lock. <laughs> Guys, she and Pike, and Pike can mm-hmm. see her sacrifice herself. But yes. that's not how you do a blast door. <laughs> and if there's an antimatter explosion that's about to go off six feet away from you, you don't stand you don't stare there, at, no. right? But you apparently, say, Pike is well aware that that blast door and window are really good. Yes. Well, he has. Well, so Pike now. I think uh, we can agree, Jason, that before Star Trek Discovery season two, Captain Pike was a character in Star Trek. He was not a particularly uh, well fleshed out or interesting character interesting things happen but right. he was really a footnote uh to the whole thing uh, for sure uh, right uh and now 
thanks to season two and Anson Mount and the writers of Discovery, he is a very interesting character. And especially at this point at which he knows what his future is. And so he tells Admiral Cornwall, this can't blow up with me here because I know what's going to happen. So we must figure it out. Uh, and she says, are you going to risk everybody's life? What if you're wrong? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I guess right. I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> right, and that could be a way that the future changes. And, and in, the, in that moment of dialogue, I, I had two thoughts. One is, Cornwell, you know, I wonder what he told her because... Yeah, she seems she to has, know. She seems to have inferred that the time crystal thing gave him a vision of his future that shook him. Mm-hmm. And it's never really addressed. But I don't think she knows the details, but I think she knows that he's seen his fate and is disturbed by it. Well, she's a counselor, right? So she yeah. she has these she's tools in her good, tool belt. Good at reading people. So I mm-hmm. think that's interesting. And she says, you've got a destiny and, and you can handle it, which right. is another and your really story great. doesn't... Uh, she says something like, I think you you and I both know your story doesn't end here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yet, she also says, when he says, well, ah, and that means I can stay because it won't blow up. And she says, yeah, but that's a big risk to take about believing in your destiny, which kind of gives him this... Like that, that is how Pike pr- presumably lives the rest of his life is, I think I know where this is going, but mm-hmm. I can't assume because what is the cost if I'm wrong? And right. that, that's good because otherwise you would be acting very strangely if you knew you couldn't possibly die because you haven't burned up in an in a accident on a starship yet. Uh, and that would not be a good way to be a captain. So instead, she sort of says, yeah, you can't take the risk. And he's like, you're right. And uh, it's a great moment, and this is with the knowledge that she's basically taking him off the hook of sacrificing himself to save his ship, mm-hmm. and she's going to do it. Uh, it's great. It's a it's a really good scene, and yes, it is it is completely you know <laughs> manipulative and architected to be this way, but mm-hmm. it is a good scene. I know but why they want to have that scene. Yeah, and I mean this is a long time theme of Star Trek, right? It's a self sacrifice for the yeah. greater good is is kind of what Star Trek is about. Uh, for sure. And so this is a, another fine example of, of that happening. Um, one thing I did want to go back to, uh, we'll have to leave the Enterprise uh, for this, but uh, I, I skipped over. So Spock and Burnham are having this, uh, you know, they figured out that she's jumped back in time and now she can jump forward in time. Uh, but Spock can't get on to the Discovery because his shuttlecraft has been disabled and they can't lower their shields to beam him on. And they can't stop and swing by to get a tractor beam. So he cannot go into the future. Right. Which is, which is you know, we know because of the <laughs> canon of it that that's... Mm-hmm. He, he, there's got to be something to it, but he doesn't tell her until she returns. I will say, I really like that wormhole effect. What they did, they did it where it's the oh, kind of yes. like yawning mm-hmm. circle, and then she goes through it. And when she goes through it, they take like a, the still of the frame of the universe that's around her, and then they rotate that. So mm-hmm. it's like the universe is flat, and she's punching a hole through it, which is a pretty cool way of visualizing what a you know interdimensional wormhole might be like or at least the the feeling of going out of the you know our existing space time and through a wormhole so i thought that was a very cool effect that they yes. used several times it looks really great um and uh and, and so then when she returns the, she can finally go to the future and they have their uh, they have their goodbye conversation yes i also enjoyed uh, the the firefly kind of uh, floating through ember scene where she's screaming that was good but anyway oh yeah uh, yeah the, the, the point I want to make here is that she and Spock have this emotional goodbye, and uh, she basically says, you know, uh, they say, I love you to each other at the end, which is very nice. Uh, but she says to him, you know, Spock, uh, there's a galaxy of people out there that are going to reach out to you, uh, and you should reach out to them, but you should find the most, the person who is most unlike you and reach out 
to them, and that is clearly she's talking about Captain Kirk. Absolutely. Uh, and it was like it made me tear up again because I was like, yeah. oh, that is such a. It's all coming together, and so it just. Th- this is what they have done this year that I am so impressed by is they have found ways to work Star Trek canon things into character moments and character development and mm-hmm. in, in ways that I find surprising. And Pike is a great example of that and his fate and all of that. But this scene is also like this is this is big sister Michael Burnham when spock says you are the thing that keeps me balanced between humanity and and vulcans and my mother and my father and makes me a whole person as this half vulcan half human you have been my balance and she gives him a speech that essentially sets him on this path to find captain kirk it's amazing mm-hmm. well it just like very well done very very impressed Yes, I, I was I was quite impressed with that scene, uh, and I didn't see it coming. And then when when it was hap- my favorite thing is not seeing something coming, and then it makes complete and total sense once it yep. has happened. And this is because uh, there were you know when season two of Discovery started, and we knew Spock was going to be here and the Enterprise is here. Uh, there are lots of questions like how is this going to make sense? How is this, is this going to change Spock's past? Like how come we've never heard of Michael Burnham? Why, right. why don't we know anything about the Discovery? All of these questions, uh, and this episode pretty much answers all of those questions for pretty you. Much, pretty uh, much. Which is, uh, and I think they answer it in satisfying ways. So, so we get the, we get the last two signals uh, and ex- because we've been sitting on five. Yep. And so there's a nice moment where now that Burnham has returned from the past, she's kind of like, oh yeah, I make the signals now. That's what I do. <laughs> so Saru is like, I don't know if we can like follow you through the wormhole. Uh-huh. And she's like, I'll send you a signal. And he's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That and and that'll be that'll be the sixth signal. And and then and then this box says, we won't know if you make it. And she says, and again, I don't think this actually holds together. Where it's like, I'll I'll send the seventh signal back through the wormhole. I'm like, eh, yeah, well, I think you would have to go, and then you, but you can't. But it's like, okay, fine. Like fine. the seventh signal will be magically sent back through the wormhole to a time in the future the where time you will see it and know that we're things. okay. It's it's fine. The time crystals are amazing. So uh, that that is the answer of our seven signals. Is the seventh signal will be the sign that discovery has made it through to the other side. And uh, and at that point, oh, we should mention um, the other thing that's happening simultaneous to this is that um, after all, a bunch of fight scenes that are great. Uh, oh, yeah. they, they mm-hmm. uh, Leland. So so uh, non. And and Giorgio have been trying to subdue Leland, who is basically running around the Discovery trying to find the sphere data and take it. And that includes they built a Discovery set on a gimbal. Oh yeah, that so was that they scene. could have the like gravity malfunction where they where they they uh, they keep fighting in different walls and the ceiling of the thing, and they lock the camera with the set, but then kept moving the set so the, vo- the it keeps changing and the rubble is like flying around everywhere as they punch and kick. And it at one point, really Giorgio cool. kicks off the floor and back onto the wall and all that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, more Michelle Yeoh uh, fight scenes are fine. And when they have weird gravity and stuff, <laughs> great. That's yeah, all great. And the two unnamed women get sucked out of a hole in the, the section at the start of that uh, scene. So it's, yeah. it's true, but fortunately our named characters remain, <laughs> including Leland. And then, and then um, after that, Georgia leads him to the spore chamber where she's got an idea, which is a payoff of two episodes ago where Spock mm-hmm. magnetized the hull to, to uh, halt the spread of the nanites toward Burnham. Um, and here she gets him in the she she actually like plays possum a little bit to get him to try to kill her right at the, at the sport chamber and then she uh, you know does a reverse and 
shoves him in there and locks the door. And while she, he's trying to beat his way out of the spore chamber, she uh, the spore cube, I guess she calls it, she magnetizes it. And the idea there, she doesn't say it. I think that they they didn't want it to be too gory. But I was sitting there thinking, oh, that's a really good plan. You're basically taking the nanites and ripping them out yep. of Leland. <laughs> and it's yes. like, that would be one way to kill him and neutralize the nanites. Uh, uh, and, and that's, that's what, what she does. Do. And, yeah. and, of course, it's the emperor. So she says, I'd like to. He says, this won't end here. And she says, actually, it will. And uh, <laughs> you're going to scream for me. <laughs> and, and I thought that. I thought that was a very effective scene uh, on two levels because I thought it was clever. But then I also thought it. Re- so Captain Georgiou, uh, her character is very interesting throughout this whole season, right? We know she's a Terran, but she's softening up a little bit and she's helping out. Uh, but in this this particular scene, her Terran uh, side comes out as she is gleefully watching Leland die and scream in front of her eyes. I think she's gaining some sort of, she is softening, but it's one of those moments where she's like, oh good, I get to be ruthless. I love being ruthless. Like, cause Leland, I know how to do this so bad that she's like, Oh yeah, I get to do this. Like it's, it's, you know, I don't usually get permission in this universe to do stuff like this, but, yeah. but I can do it and it's totally okay. So let's do it. And so she, so she does it. It's this uh, is my core competency. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's good. And the fighting and the kicking with Michelle, yeah, that's just, she's fun at, at doing that. And that's, uh, that's fun to see. Um, yeah, and I'll give, uh, Leland, uh, the actor once again, I think I said this last, two episodes ago or whatever when he became overcome with control but i think he does a great job once again of mm-hmm. not being the leland we know but being right. control leland it's a great moment where they where they hail he hails them and and oh, Saru, yes. before he puts them on says uh, it will be a human face but it is not a human being so we're clear on that and like, everybody's <laughs> like yeah and it's like that, that was kind of creepy but i liked it <laughs> like this yes. is not a person we're talking to here that's right remember it is not who you think it is yeah uh and so they uh you know, they are leading up to uh, getting Burnham and Discovery through the wormhole. Through the wormhole. And uh, everybody who's going to be on Discovery is on Discovery, uh, which does not include Spock. And uh, Yeah, everybody go- watches. Everybody who's got a link watches. So it's yep. Poe and Serana and mm-hmm. Ash and Spock and Pike are all watching this as they like the Discovery. And the, the way that they, they frame it, it's like they're moving up. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like Discovery and the Red Angel in front. And they're moving toward this bright thing that is the wormhole or the surroundings of the wormhole. And... Um, and uh, it, it's very pretty as we see that. And then did and then you notice some... the um, unexpected Star Trek The Motion Picture reference happens? Yes. Yes, because what, what does it look like when you're going into a wormhole and you're on a starship? And the answer is everything gets kind of streaky. Yes, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, it made me laugh. I was like, oh, look. It's, yeah, I that's get, what happens. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and we also get a little uh, very uh, quick flashbacks to... Uh, character moments of ash and uh yeah. michael kissing and uh saru and his sister uh hugging and spock so, and baby burnham uh do- doing the vulcan salute together so it sounds like the by the way the the um the ship name i am told is um tyburn for the ash tyler and michael burnham i think oh, people okay. call it tyburn because i was Tyburn. speculating about what it would be called although ashburn would be a much better that name, seems, I think. That makes a lot more sense. But uh, t- anyway, it is that moment of like, oh, but the, they love each other, but they are oh. going to be separated. And as yeah. I detailed last week, yeah, 
Okay. <laughs> but I did, I did like the fact that the chancellor is uh, standing behind Ash Tyler, and she knows what he's thinking, and she yeah. is not pleased with it. Not pleased. I was, I was expecting, like, you know, are we going to comfort each other here? No, Klingon's not going to happen. Yeah, she's that's not, not, what we do. not impressed. Like, good, get, get her out of here, yes. this universe. Go 930 years into the future. <laughs> So uh, Discovery enters the wormhole and all is quiet. The end. Yeah, the end. Well, that is what I thought it would be. Uh, or actually, I thought we would find out, you know, I thought it would be a cliffhanger with, you know, oh, we see Michael Burnham or somebody, Saru on we? the bridge. And they say, where are we? We're not supposed to be here. That is not what we get. Fades no. to black. Fades out from black. And we are greeted with San Francisco and the Golden uh, Gate Bridge, which has been turned into a solar panel farm. Sol- solar panels. <laughs> yeah, good. Glad they're still using it for something. Why not? Uh, and we are at Starfleet Academy and uh, or Starfleet Headquarters. Uh, yep. I guess they're the same place. Uh, and they are being interviewed by somebody, some admiral, I assume. We don't. Yes, see uh, admiral who it is. shot from behind and, and <laughs> never really shown his face, which I thought was really weird. And I wondered if he maybe is the same shadowy admiral in that you know smoke-filled room who <laughs> right, sends Burnham for treason and we why, why didn't him? they use that smoke-filled room this time they're yeah. in a big room that's well lit with a well tiny lit, table yeah. <laughs> i think uh, the answer is that uh is that brian fuller is not in charge anymore. Uh, all right well that's probably true and and we've got uh pike spock uh number one uh which you know he's and ash tyler like, and ash tyler and he's it starts with you know tell us your name and they all do except for number one who says number one uh which it's I like your name and your rank easy. or something and by yeah. the time we cut to number one she just says number one and i'm like okay fair fair <laughs> we're not gonna tell you what her name is uh basically they're like tell us what happened uh with this hullabaloo uh and they say well discovery uh, blew up i guess yeah. the score drive malfunctioned you start to think they're gonna tell the truth and then you realize they are telling Telling a cover story. They, they that fitting. the discovery exploded. The spore drive. Something went wrong. Michael Burnham died uh, doing what she loved or something, <laughs> and uh, it was basically Section Thirty One's fault. So you should do mm-hmm. something about that. Yep. And we should never speak of the discovery again. We should not have time suits and uh, sport drives. Should be just yeah. Put it put it in the books. Tighten up your rules about time travel, which mm-hmm. is good because we yes. know that they will. They don't like time travel. No. And. Uh, and never speak of this again under penalty of uh, treason, treason, which mm-hmm. I think is a nice way to put it. Of like this time suit stuff, really dangerous. It is. Mm, let's not ever talk about it again. And the sport drive is, is pretty dangerous too. Yeah, which is the show doing. It turns out. So we've been saying all along, like I said earlier in this episode, that uh, this season has been trying to correct a lot of the things that the first season got wrong. That I think were baked into the initial idea that Brian Fuller had. Um, which was uh, originally going to be an anthology show where they would only do Discovery for a year and then they would do something else. Uh, and then they're like, no, that's not practical. We are going to sign these people to long-term contracts and we're going to build the sets and we're going to keep with this crew if it's successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, you know, and then, okay, but then it's a prequel and we have to deal with canon and, and all of that. And they have spent the last season unwinding all of it. And it turns out that, yes, they are going where we thought maybe they were going at the end of last season, which is taking discovery out of the equation altogether um, and saying, this is why we've never heard of it. This is why we've never heard of these characters. They, the information about them was suppressed and they jumped away to the future, never to return. And as, mm-hmm. as, as I'm watching the scene, I'm thinking to myself, wow, they really did it. <laughs> I didn't, I, I thought they would do, I thought they might do it, but I never really thought that they would fully commit to just wiping them out and having them leave. But that is absolutely what the goal of this entire season has been. Mm-hmm. 
and that's why the so it ends with basically uh, we are back on the Enterprise, uh, and Spock is doing a personal log entry detailing their plan, which seems like a bad idea, but uh, whatever. I guess people in Starfleet don't review uh, personal, personal logs. logs personal. <laughs> it's double secret encrypted. I guess that's fine. Uh, I know once again for dramatic reasons why they're doing it, but uh, it just occurred to me that maybe you don't want to tell your plan. You're trying to keep it away from everyone. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, and he says, you know, I keep looking at the stars and uh, I don't lose faith, but uh, I know that uh, time is relative. It's been 143 days or something like that since it's happened. Uh, Enterprise is all fixed up. Uh, right, because it was it had a big in the last shot when they were going through the or had gone through the wormhole. We see the Enterprise and the the effect of that torpedo is that the front part of the saucer section really has been blown away, yeah, which I thought like was cool to show. Yet, yes, it was super dangerous. Mm-hmm. We weren't just kidding. That blast door did not uh, fix everything, uh, just mostly everything. Uh, and Spock is still bearded and uh, scraggly haired, and we see him stroke his beard, and you think, oh. Now this is the Here moment is. at which this this kind of Spock in the wilderness becomes. He starts his journey of the Spock that we know, uh, and he shaves off his beard. We don't see him do this, but he shaves off his beard, uh, fixes his hair. I guess he cuts his own hair. New uh, piece of canon. <laughs> that a, we know. He, there's, a, there's a hair cutting thing. That uh, okay. There's a <laughs> and, hair cutting machine or something. I mean, it's just a bowl cut. He just has a bowl. It's okay. true. It's not he that hard. Puts the bowl on his head, cuts uh, his hair, and puts on the blue shirt. That's right. He's summoned to the bridge. He uh, gets up there. Number one looks back when the the turbo lift opens and uh, kind of is shocked. Uh, Captain Pike looks back to see what number one's looking at, uh, and the camera reveals uh, the kind of iconic Spock look that with yep. Ethan Peck kind of inhabiting the Spock that we know and love. Um, and there you go. He's on the bridge looking for. I guess this, they found the seventh signal. They and find it's where the they seventh they signal. Be. Somewhere mm-hmm. in the beta con- quadrant far away, but it's a sign that, that they got there. And, um, and yeah, so we end up with Pike and Spock and number one on the bridge of the Enterprise looking good, all cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And um, the, you know, Pike, let's give a, her a spin. Let's see what the future holds. And the, US, and the Star Trek Discovery season ends with a lengthy scene on the USS <laughs> Enterprise as it comes yes. out of its repair dock and goes <laughs> off for adventures, at which point Lauren turned to me and said, so which show do you want to watch next season? <laughs> and I said, well, this is, the, this is part of the fascination about how good the Pike stuff has been and that they've leaned into the Enterprise stuff. And I know that they've been asked about it because actually they asked Alex Kurtzman uh, in an interview that I read last night uh, and he, about like people kind of want a Pike Spock number one enterprise show and he didn't say no right he, he basically <laughs> said uh, we love it that people love what we did with that and it was a non-answer and I'm sitting mm-hmm. there thinking dude you built the set you've, you, you've cast these <laughs> actors get to it get to it because I, I do want to see where Discovery goes and we need to talk about that but mm-hmm. I kind of think you've proven that you could do a show about the captain pike era of the uss enterprise and that it would be good and entertaining and that mm-hmm. would, you would have a couple of great lead actors you've three really good lead actors actually that you've already cast make it happen what's what are you waiting for you need more star trek shows like i i i think they did such a good job that we kind of demand seeing them again i feel really bad when they're going through that last scene i'm like i don't want this to be the last time i see mm-hmm. pike and spock and number one like i get that the discovery people have said goodbye but like I want to see more of these guys. If it's the last we see, it's great because they are are carrying the torch off to the original series. But, like, I kind of want to see that. 
I kind of want to see it as well. And that was my, so I feel conflicted about how this ends because I do like the Enterprise and I like Spock at number one and Pike and all that. I, I enjoyed it greatly, but I kind of thought this is Star Trek Discovery. It feels kind of weird to end yeah. on the Enterprise and, and they're off on adventures and, you know, like 10 minutes after the Discovery is gone. <laughs> yeah, this it is... Um it is a little bit like a very short version of the, uh, what is it, These Are the Voyages, that last episode of Enterprise. Yes. Where, mm-hmm. where it's like, let's put this show in context of another show. Um, but I feel like it's the original series. It's been about that the whole season. And I feel like they earned Spock and Pike at the end. And it is, I mean, it is also them very specifically explaining where Discovery fits or doesn't fit into Star Trek canon. And, and, mm-hmm. and it, they're repairing the timeline, basically, by, by doing all of this. But, um, but yeah, it is a little bit weird. I, guess, I get that they wanted to keep uh, the fate of the Discovery and a, a mystery, right? Like, that's a pretty good cliffhanger, that they go through a wormhole and we don't... <laughs> see them it again we get this plan. signal look we're in we're in spock and pike's shoes for the the season break anyway where we don't know what will become of them but we know that they seem to have made it and then off we go to all the famous star trek adventures i you know where where a captain pike show could go from here is very clear there there's a another five-year mission basically before he becomes an admiral and captain kirk takes takes over the ship and Mm -hmm. they could they could get there and maybe tell some interesting stories playing around with circuit canon like discovery has done the last couple of years but where discovery goes from here is fascinating and i gotta say i'm a little concerned because i always figured if they sent discovery to the future they would try to park them somewhere shortly thereafter uh what we've seen of the the future of star trek like you know post uh star trek nemesis kind Mm -hmm. of stuff Uh, and i wonder if because they're doing a captain picard show they decided if that was what made them think no 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 we don't want to do that because that's too close to what we're doing with the picard stuff Mm -hmm. um but to send them 920 years into the future is great in the sense that I get how it gets them out from under canon and the last two Star Trek shows have been set in the past of Star Trek and the movies were set in the past of Star Trek and it's been a long time since Star Trek was about whatever they wanted it to be about without having to worry about established canon for events that happen in the future right I get all of that that said is a is a Star Trek show about, I mean, it's a little bit like Voyager. Is a Star Trek show where it's like a small group of people on a star our starship that are out in the middle of nowhere with no support system. Is that, is that Star Trek anymore? And it, it's doubled by Discovery because at least Voyager was still in the same time and they had hopes of getting home. Right. But with Discovery, they're saying, we're going to be in the far future. It's going to be like nothing you've seen before, presumably. Um, there's no federation as we know it you know whatever is there and we you know is not necessarily anything recognizable will the technology be recognizable and i i worry that the resulting show isn't going to feel quite like star trek it's going to be very different and that could be good and it does it is freeing but i i worry um that it's going to be more like something like um, Andromeda. If you remember Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, that mm-hmm. syndicated TV show, that was essentially a, an idea for a Star Trek show. 
that didn't happen, which was a ship from Star Trek gets sent to the future where the Federation has fallen apart and has to figure out what to do. And I'm a little worried that that's exactly where we're going with Discovery. Yeah, and I, I share your uh, worries. And I mean, I think the, the what I thought of immediately was Voyager as well. But the big difference is Voyager was the whole point of Voyager was they were trying to get back to the Federation. And right. the and whole point of Discovery, they can't. They, That's they the can't. point. We cannot go back. So. Although I was thinking, well, you could go back a little bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Maybe you could, you could test the, the boundaries. Like, how far back can we go the, so it's okay? Uh, but the question, though, is so we saw the signal. But does that necessarily mean that they went where they wanted to go? It's true. It's true. I mean, the interview I read with Kurtzman, he says, yes, that's the new status quo, is that they're in the far future and they have to figure it out. Uh, producers lie. They lie a lot. <laughs> what? And it may be a lie. Um, and you're right. It may not be as simple as that. They may, you know, it, it, it may be very complex when they get there. There's a whole other story. Uh, Burnham's mom is there. What's the situation mm-hmm. on the ground? Do they stay there? Uh, we still have that, uh, that episode, that short trek, where the, where the Discovery gets parked in a nebula for a thousand years. And I wonder about that. Like, are they going to, they, they still have yet to pay that off. Right. And that so could that, be an interesting uh, quirk for season three, where it could be much more meaningful for season three. I don't know, because that mm-hmm. was set in a similarly far ahead future. Um, so they, I don't know. They, they have the plans to make as many time suits as they want. And it seems like uh, they need time crystals. That's the problem. But uh, other than that, they, they have access, fairly Just easy talk, access to talk to, to a magic machines. Klingon. Exactly. Just go to the t- Klingon time monks and they'll give you a time crystal. That's the way it works, people. Uh, so I think that they have a lot uh, that they could do. I don't know which way they're going to go, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a little concerned that it's just kind yeah, of floating my, out there. Yeah, my, my concern is that what what they're going to do is not, like, this has been, it's felt like Star Trek partly because it's Star Trek canon, mm-hmm. uh, but also partly because they've tried this season especially to make the episodes, at least until the end, feel a little bit more like classic Star Trek of, here's a planet, we're going to figure out what's going on here, along with the overarching plot. Right. And... I don't know. It's possible that the show is going to be pretty dramatically different next season, just premise-wise, because it's hard to imagine that this show is going to turn into a show where, from week to week, they you know explore strange new worlds and all of that. It's it's much more like going to be. I, I just have a hard time seeing that, and that's too bad because I think the explore strange new worlds thing is a great part of Star Trek. But um, I'm I'm going to be have an open mind about it because I, I like these characters and I I like what they've done. With with them so far and uh but it, it's a it's a big move it's a big move out i i get Very all the pressures move. of canon but to move 900 years in the future that it is risky to put them out there and make new history and set a new universe in season three of your show right and lose all the kind of this the scaffolding that uh, is right. provided with even if right. you go and not even and not by canon even but like by starfleet <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's what i because part of the joy of this season and the previous season is they were interacting with other starfleet people you saw starships you know you knew what was going on there were klingons we there were things we that were recognizable uh, and one of the drawbacks to voyager although i think it was an interesting concept is they didn't really see the familiar things that we knew. They saw a whole bunch of new stuff, and they tried to establish, like, the Kazon as an interesting enemy. That didn't work. Uh, so then they went with, let's get the Borg back. So I, I am I, I am hopefully optimistic, but uh, a little worried that they're going to yeah. try and create a whole new cast of stuff that will feel 
maybe Star Trek ish, but not so Star, not as Star Trek as I would like it to be. But, if that you know, makes sense. Maybe, maybe the answer is that they, um, you know, what they want to do is is have a an open playing field to remix the Klingons and the Borg and all that, and say, oh, over the last hundred years, right. you know, hundreds yeah. of years, these things have completely changed, and that the, there is a federation of a sort there, or they 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 found it, or they recreated, or whatever they do, and in the end, they get to a status quo where we have a completely open field to, to tell new stories and uh, that Star Trek as a franchise can use in the future to put new shows in that time period, which is unexplored. It just, I, I don't know, it, it's a, a silly thing to quibble over, but I, part of me just feels like 900 years is too far and that I would have rather they had basically gone to, you know, reasonably ahead of basically where the Picard show is basically, you know, right to say, um, this is we're going to pick up where next generation and voyager left off and tell stories in that universe and it sounds like for whatever reason they are at least claiming that that's not what they're going to do they just want to wipe the slate completely clean and start from nothing and that's scary but it could be great yeah i mean i'm going to watch it so whatever they sure. do and i want to know where what happened to the discovery i mean i like these characters i like all the characters that got onto the discovery and are now flung somewhere so i want to i want to make sure that they're okay and uh, check in on them so yeah yeah and that's so why don't we just quickly because we were, we're already longer i think than the episode was maybe or almost on the precipice oh <laughs> uh so this was the season two finale. Season two, mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery, quite different than season one. For sure. Uh, oh, overall, Jason, how would you uh, rank season two of Star Trek Discovery? I would say it's better than season one. Um, I feel like I, I really appreciate the fact that they did the work to not only have great character moments, but to repair, you know, in, in artful ways, try to repair some of the fundamental premise things about the show that they, that the producers, the current producers sort of didn't like that it had a tortured backstory and they wanted to kind of fix it. And I think they did a pretty good job with that. Um, I think the time travel element is obviously there because they, they were, they were creating a way to eject discovery from Canon and, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, time travel is a little bit silly and I, I can laugh about the doctor whoification of star Trek, but like, I would prefer less time travel in my Star Trek, I think. And, and, and so if it's a, a conveyance to get them from point A to point Z, uh, apparently, uh, then good. Um, once they get there, I would like to like not do more time travel shenanigans if I could help it because it's, uh, it's, it's a bit much and, and some of that stuff is a head scratcher. Um, Anson Mount and Ethan Peck, but Anson Mount especially, huge credit to him. Um, they walked a very clever line too, where he does a great job, but he's a mentor. He's not the main character. Michael Burnham's the main character and he doesn't take over and the writers don't, even though they could have, they don't have him take over. He's a, he's a, a, an authority figure, but he's a, like a moral authority figure and a, a mentor to Burnham. And, uh, that's a great use of him. And he, I, he, he was the breakthrough character in this season, but I thought, um, I thought they handled him well where it didn't take the spotlight away from Burnham and her relationship with Spock and her relationship with the rest of the crew. I like what they did with Saru. Again, one of those things where they're kind of trying to fix stuff from the first season and make that character interesting. And um, well, he was already interesting, but like different and mm-hmm. a little more legitimately, I think, a captain and more forceful. Um, the only the only thing I would say is... Um, there were yeah there were a couple episodes of furniture moving that i didn't like toward the toward the end of the season i'm not sure whether it hit the height 
of those three mirror universe episodes from season one, I think they really put it all together there. Um, and then it fell apart in the last two episodes, <laughs> but th- those three mirror universe episodes were really great. Um, but overall, I think it was clearly better than season one and I mm-hmm. liked season one, but I think, I think this is a show that's showing its maturity. And I think maybe this move that they've made at the end shows just how confident they are in moving these characters into a different setting. Right. And I, I think that season, season one had its highs and its lows and its lows were pretty, pretty low. Uh, I feel like season two was much more consistently agreed good, uh, yeah. or even very good. Um, and especially this whole, th- I feel like they, they figured out what they wanted to do, uh, you know, given all the, the, the behind the scenes shenanigans that were happening. Uh, they got it all together for season two. And that really shows that there is kind of a, there was some thought for the whole season uh, to kind of make it make sense. Even though as you were watching it, you might think, well, I don't know how they're going to pull this together. Uh, they managed to do that. Uh, and I was concerned, and I think everybody was concerned, with uh, Ethan Peck and Spock. Kind of like, yeah, do, we sure. need, do we need this Spock? Uh, don't we have enough Spocks? Uh, <laughs> and I think we, it turns out we do, he was the Spock we didn't know we needed but we did <laughs> because i do think it's an interesting that it covers an interesting point in spock's kind of character growth um and and so i think that they they used him just enough because it, it didn't i was worried that it might turn into the you know the pike and spock show um especially make with that anson. show by the way make that show but <laughs> yes, that's not just that Trek discovery but exactly uh, anson mount was great ethan peck is great uh but like you said michael burnham saru tilly georgiou those are the characters that this show is about um and, and those are kind of like the the main thrust of it uh and uh so there you go and season three i assume will include tignataro as a uh Reno, Reno, she's on the Reno is she's on, the, on ship. the ship. So that the only the, so the only caveat about this whole like clean break, uh, new future and all that is that they are still developing a Section Thirty One show with with Georgia uh, with true. Giorgio, and um, how does that work? Because she went to the future with them. So time travel. I, I guess there will steals probably, a time suit. She's gonna she's gonna make she's gonna make a time crystal and make a time suit. And I think in Star Trek canon there are like just time ships in the future. So maybe, you know, they, maybe they end up having a debate of like, well, we can't go back because we have been, and, and like, maybe we could go a little bit back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But maybe Giorgio's like, uh, uh, goodbye, everybody. I'm going back to the, I do what I the, want. the time that I know. <laughs> Something like that. That's right. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we, I'm excited to see what will happen. We'll, we'll find out oh, in 900 oh, years, I guess. I'll make a wild prediction that I just thought of, which is oh. Georgiou sees the open field of uh, the chaotic 950 years in the future future, and uh, decides she's going to be the, she's going to get the Terran Empire together and she's going to be the Empress again. <laughs> and, and they, they send her to, back. They, they have to send her back in time. <laughs> Let's send you back to a more civilized time where you We're could do less out. damage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, yeah, it was fun. It was fun having these conversations with you every week for 14 weeks, and I will miss them. I Watching this episode last night, I, I finished the episode, and I was like, oh, I don't get to talk to Scott yet. It was, uh, it's good. It's nice I had to have the debriefing. Yes, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed Star Trek Discovery. I'm sad that now that we will enter a time in which there will not be regularly uh, scheduled new yeah. Star Trek. I feel like this is the last long wait, though, right? I feel like... I think you're right. They're starting to shoot the Picard show, and they've talked about how they're going to shoot the Section 31 show right after they shoot Season 3 of Discovery. So 
um, and they've got that animation uh, animated show in production. So I feel mm-hmm. like we are about to enter a period of plenty for Star Trek, but there will be this one remaining gap year uh, <sighs> while we wait for for more discovery. Try and survive, or or for, or for more Picard. I suppose we'll see Picard next. I suppose the Picard series yes, is the yes. next one, and I hope we'll they see. just call it That's the Picard exciting. Show. Because yeah, Picard, Star Trek Picard, right? <laughs> or not even Star Trek, just the Picard Show, like a, a talk show. It turns Patrick out Stewart's Picard he's, show. He's, he's he's retired and he's become a talk show host, and yeah. uh, he's just interviewing people. <laughs> and I would watch that show. Frankly, we are live from City Alpha Five. <laughs>